Good morning, everyone. I'd like to, uh, to start this morning by just offering up a few words of encouragement to uh, the Harlem region here. want to thank you for your service in the Lord, and uh, God is doing uh, some uh, great things in the region this year as we're seeing uh, people become disciples, people mature in the Lord. I'm especially uh, thankful for the work that James and Zalika are doing in here leading the region. Uh, they work very, very, very hard. And uh, I just want to let you guys know how much Cynthia and I appreciate our partnership. Uh, we've been connected with them for many years, and uh, we still like them. And we, we love spending time together, and it goes by so quickly, but uh, so appreciative of, of your service. Um, thankful that God has brought Leslie here to serve with them, and, uh, and for the good things that are happening in the campus ministry. And now we just need to see some more men added to uh, the Harlem, Harlem staff, and, and we are asking the Holy Spirit to make that clear. And we're also asking the Holy Spirit to make you generous. To make you generous. So uh, I wanted to uh, just encourage the church today. I've got some things in my heart that I think will really, really uh, help you today. Uh, April 26th is going to be my spiritual birthday. And uh, I will be 43 years old as a disciple come April uh, 26, and it's been a good journey. It's been a long journey. Uh, my wife celebrated her spiritual birthday uh, back at the end of January, and that was her 44th year. So she's older in the Lord. That's why she's more spiritual than I am. She's, she's, she's got me by a year. And, uh, you know, I remember when, when I got baptized into Christ and, and how exciting it was and just beginning this new life. And so today I want to talk to you about the new life in Christ and how we can keep that life new. How we can keep the new in the Christian life. And uh, we, I, I think there are things that we need to focus on, things we need to think about so that our Christianity doesn't become stale. Uh, that we don't lose our passion and our zeal or even our appreciation for what God has given us. So we're going to look at a scripture over in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to say a brief prayer, and then we'll, we'll study this scripture together. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you for today. And no matter how long we've been in the faith, whether it's a week or many years, uh, we owe everything to you, and we thank you for sending Jesus to wash away all of our sins. As we just sang about, uh, what a happy day. Uh, it, it was, and what a happy day it continues to be, knowing that the blood of Christ continues to wash away all of our sins. Bless our time together today. Help our appreciation for what we have in Christ to continue to grow, that we could uh, grow in gratitude, that we could grow in appreciation for the amazing gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. So here in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is reminding the Christians of their new life. 
And he begins to give them instructions as to how to conduct themselves as they live this new life. And, you know, as, as you live the Christian life, sometimes you can forget these basic things that you should be focused on so that you can give glory to God, so that you can be a light that shines, and so that one day you can eventually get to heaven. So here in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, beginning in verse 1, he says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so Paul is helping the disciples in Colossae to understand how they are to conduct themselves now that they've been given this new life. You know, when I, when I became a disciple, when I got baptized into Christ, the newness, the, the, the cleanness, the new beginning. I mean, I wanted to never sin again. I wanted to hold on to that, that exciting new beginning, knowing that every sin I'd ever committed had been washed away. And that as I stood in the presence of God, I was clean, pure as the driven snow. Every sin eradicated from my life, and I wanted to never, ever sin again. Well, I eventually blew it on that note. But the great news about being a Christian is you can be new every day. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's something I moved in and lived in Manhattan for a while. And 
and you move into your new apartment and then we got a new rug and and it's like I want to keep this rug new and so when you come into my house take your shoes off why because we need to keep this rug as new as the day we bought it now it's it's a it's it's a fruitless endeavor it just won't happen and and eventually someone came in with the shoes on and marked up my my rug and and there I am trying to clean it whatever but uh, it, it was never the same but that's what it, that's what it's like when you have something new you want it to stay new when you get that new hairdo you I mean you come out and it's just new the curls are tight or whatever you got it's just and so when you go to bed at night you don't even want to put your head on the pillow do you? you just you wrap it in plastic and you prop your head up and you and you sleep we got to keep it. We got to hold on to it because I got church tomorrow. I want to look good. Got to go to the wedding. The hair's got. And so we work so hard. You know, when you get a new car, I mean, you buy that new car smell, even if it's an old car, and you try to make it new. It's like, I want it to be new, brand new. And that's the way it is with the Christian life. I want it to, I want to still be new. I want it to, I want to hold on to that initial newness that I had in Christ. Now Peter says in 2 Peter 3 in verse 14 he says one day we're going to meet the Lord. We need to get ready for heaven. And he says since you're looking forward to this since you're looking forward to heaven he says make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him. And so as we live the Christian life, and when the Lord sees us one day, when we meet him, we want to be as spotless as we possibly can be. We don't want to be riddled with all kinds of sin and, and just barely dragging in, just barely making it to the gates of heaven. But we want him to say, well done, you did excellent. And no, you weren't perfect, but you made every effort to remain as spotless as the day you were when you got baptized. And that's when the Christian life is a fruitful life. That's when God begins to bless your life, when you're striving to remain new. And so what he tells us here, he goes on, he says in Colossians 3, as we read earlier, he says, you died. And now your life is is hidden with Christ and God. That the old you, that Really, that, that's what we celebrated in the watery grave of baptism. The old you died. And aren't you thankful that some people did not know the old you? That we, 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 had, a, we, we had your spiritual funeral. And then we raised up a new you. That's supposed to be continually being transformed into the image of Christ. And so he says now that you have this new life, set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above. That you, you come into Christ with a new mindset, an, a new heart, that I'm, I'm striving to be like Christ. You know, I remember back in the campus ministry days, and, and we would sing a lot of elementary songs. You know, you guys are, the worship team here was so great. And, and, and I just love this, the song they just sang a, a few minutes ago, Lamb of God. And, we you know, back in the campus, we didn't sing those kind of songs. We just sang simple songs. 
And, you know, one of the simple songs we sang was, I woke up this morning with my mind centered on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind centered on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I'm a walking and talking with my mind centered on Jesus. Because when my mind's in the light, then I know I'm right. I mean, we would sing these simple songs just to impress upon ourselves Every day you get up, you're walking and are talking with your mind centered on Jesus. To hold on to that newness, to say no to sin, and to strive to give glory to God. Are you waking up every day with your mind and your heart set on Jesus? How can I please him today? Remember that that newness you had in Christ. Lord, I want to do whatever I can to please you. Whatever I can to give glory to you. And I want to stay as far away from darkness as I possibly can. And see, we need to to, to keep that. Because the devil is after us. And any of us, anybody can fall. And the way you prevent the falling is to set your heart and your mind constantly, continually on things above. On things above. He goes on and says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You know, brothers and sisters, we're in a battle here. And when you got baptized, Satan didn't give up on you, he's still after you. And We've had so many tragedies in the church because people stop putting to death whatever belonged to their earthly nature. One of my my best friends in all the world was the guy who brought me to Christ, studied the Bible with me, changed my life. I mean, he was my hero, you know, my, my spiritual big brother in the faith. And... He, he went into the ministry, and, and, and I, I emulated him. I looked up to him. I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding. I mean, we, we just had such, such great times together. And then after about 20-plus years, he left the faith. And I just like, how could that happen? Not only left the faith, he left his wife, he left his children. He went back to the old self. And it scared me to death and it, and it made me realize that if someone who I, 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 I looked up to that strong, preaching the word so boldly, if they can fall, then I can fall. And so I've got to take this seriously, that you've got to put to death Not just some of what belongs to your earthly nature. You can't hold on to those pet sins. But what does he say, church? He says, put together what? Put to death what? Whatever. Tell somebody, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You know, my earthly nature is selfishness. My earthly nature is impurity. And my earthly nature is something I have to battle. And I've had to battle all 43 years. You never reach a point in your spiritual life where it's like, 
I have arrived. I wish I could tell you. I've done there. Gold star Christian. No more temptation. No more struggle. Wait till you get the way I am. When you hit 40, it's all over. I mean, the marriage is good. No more arguments. The finances are good. No more bills. I mean, temptation's gone. It doesn't happen like that. Satan still has your name on his board. And he's got demons after you. Now think about King David. When I look at King David, a man after God's own heart. The brother had seven wives before he fell into sin with Bathsheba. You got seven wives? What's wrong with you? And now you need another man's wife? Are you, have you lost your mind? But that's what happens if you don't deal with your sinful nature. You do stupid things. And who in here is more spiritual than David was? How many psalms have you written? If David can fall, you better deal with your earthly nature. I mean, I think about Judas. I mean, there's Judas. I mean, he's walking with Jesus. I'm, I'm singing about walking and talking with Jesus. He's literally walking and talking with Jesus. He sees the miracle. He sees Jesus walk on water. He sees Jesus raise the dead. It's like, what happened to you? How can you, how can you fall away if you're walking with Jesus all day and all night? I mean, you're not just around him you're 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 in the book you're helping write the book you're one of the people he went up on the mountain and he prayed you're one of the guys i'm choosing you you can't go wrong but the bible says that he was put in charge of the money bag and that he used to help himself to what was put in it. Now, Jesus knew that. But as the contribution bag was being passed, this greedy joker used to take a little bit out for himself. That's his sinful nature, greed. And it may be ours today. See, it doesn't matter who you're with. If you don't get serious about your sin, well, I'm in the Harlem region. Satan doesn't care. No, James and Zalika are my ministry leaders. Satan, so? If you just knew who my family group leader was, the devil doesn't care. Well, I'm married to Cynthia. The devil doesn't care that I'm married to Cynthia. He wants to really tear that up. Well, I've been a Christian for 20 years. So? He doesn't give up. He doesn't, it doesn't matter what church you go to. You've got to decide every day, I'm going to battle my earthly nature. And your earthly nature may not be my earthly nature, but whatever it is, you better get up every morning and decide World War III. Here we go. And this is something I've learned in these 43 years of being a Christian. I wish I could tell you that it stops. 
it never stops. Oh, it can get, you can get better at it. But the battle never stops. And we've got to understand that if we're going to keep this newness and, and be able to give glory to God. Another translation, Colossians 3 verse 5 in the message version says, And that means killing off everything connected with the way of death. I love that. Killing off. In other words, when the thoughts come into your mind that you know shouldn't be there, you kill them. You kill them with the word of God. You kill them with prayer. That's how lethal you have to be in dealing with your sinful nature. When temptation comes, you don't just dance with it. What do you do? You kill it. Sometimes we don't want to kill it. We want to injure it. He says you've got to kill it. When, you get, when that attitude comes, and they come all the time, you know, I, I have to kill them. And it can, be, it can be little things like getting to church on time. And there you are, you are ready, and your spouse is not ready, and you're like, I've been trying to tell you. No, you kill the thought. You know what? It's not worth it. You know, I'm not going to destroy my morning by fighting with you. So what can I do to help you? And all the time, the thought is going, you need to tell them that this is the last time that I'm going to be waiting for you. No, kill the thought. What are you going to gain? Fighting before you even get here. And now Sam's talking about that because that's what I need to hear. I mean, the, the, the little things, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, that just destroy us because we won't kill the thought. Sometimes the Spirit even says to us, don't go there. Don't say it. Do not say it. And then your sinful nature says, you better be bold and speak up. <laughs> and the Bible says that even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. But you're not killing your sinful nature. Don't feed it. Kill it. And this is, this is daily practical. Christian says, well, Sam, are you giving us instructions on how to be a spiritual leader? No. I'm trying to give you instruct, instructions on how to survive in your faith. This is about marching every day, striving to, to keep that newness in your Christian life. Because for some of us, it's gotten old and we've lost that zeal and we've lost that high standard and we've lost that desire to be excellent in all that we do, which is what we started with. I'm going to be excellent for Jesus. You got to get that back. You got to get that back so that when you see him, you just don't limp into heaven. You run into heaven. And the Lord is like, man, I've been waiting on you. You are ready. I know none of us are trying to rush it. But we need to work at it. So, just let me remind you, we've got to be radical about sin. And, and, you know, my sinful nature, that's not who I am naturally. 
you know, the older you become, in a Christ, to become a Christian, you get away from, and you can get away from having the sensitivity to sin and the humility to confess your sins. It's, it's the longer you're in the faith, and you have to continue to make yourself go there. And so it's, it's like, why should we be radical about sin? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, sin is dangerous. Here again, I think about Samson. And you know what Samson, his, his attitude was simply, if I see something, I want it. And nobody's going to stop me. He, that, he, he saw women that he shouldn't have had, and he says, I want her, and nobody could tell him anything. Sometimes that's how we are in our sinfulness. I want this, I want, when you need to tell yourself, no, you cannot have that. You can't have that. You don't need to be there. You can't go there. And then he also thought, he says, well, I can handle it. I can handle Delilah. I got this. And man, Delilah worked on him day after day. And he's like, I, ha- I got it. I can handle it. Sometimes that's what we think. I can handle it. I can handle this internet. I can handle this flirtation on the job. I can handle it. I got news for you. You cannot handle it. Because sin is crouching at the door, and that's what the Lord told Cain, and it it desires to have you. It desires to master you. And that's why you've got to put it to death, because it's always looking for just the way to get in. Because this is what sin does. Jesus tells us, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is out to enslave us, not just bother us. It wants to control you. It wants your appetites, whatever they are, your sinful nature, it wants to control you. To keep you from growing, to keep you from progressing, to keep you from being used as an instrument to give glory to God. And my question to us today is when are we going to say to our sinful nature, no longer will you be in control of my life? When are we going to take that stand? We did when we first came to Christ. We made that, we made that good confession. We made that that stand before our sinful nature, before the devil, no longer are you going to rule in my life. You are done. Get behind me, Satan. Do you still have that conviction? Do you still have that conviction? Man, Jesus said, look, sin wants to enslave you. You know, I've got, when it comes to personal purity, I have an accountability partner. I've been a Christian 43 years. And we texted each other yesterday. Bro, how you doing? How'd you do with your personal purity today? And he was telling me about some struggles he was having. And I said, bro, you know what? Instead of us counting our struggles, let's count our victories. Let's count every time we don't take that second look. Let's count every time that we say no. Let's count every time when something comes on the TV that our eyes should not feast on that we said, no, I'm not watching that. Let's count our victories instead of just counting our struggles so that we can give glory to God. But you know what? I've been a Christian all this long, and I still need somebody 
to ask me, how am I doing? After all this time, what about you? Who's in your life that knows what's really going on in secret? Because it's the secret stuff that gets you in trouble. Oh, come on. This morning, all of you look awesome. Everybody's doing great. How are you doing? Fine, great, awesome. You know, praise be to the Lord. You know the spiritual language we have. God is good all the time. But you're not good all the time. So who knows about the times you're not good? Oh, I can handle it. I, I got I got this. Be careful. That's what Samson thought. I got this. I think Solomon thought the same thing. I got this. I'm wise enough. I can, I can deal with all these women. Look at the result. What about you? Let's decide to, to, to be new again. You know, and the great thing about being a Christian is if you've messed up all year long, and, and you can start today all over again. That's how good God is. You can start all over. You can decide today, you know, I'm, I'm getting a new beginning, but you got to want it. See, because the reason that we sin is because we like it. We like, say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil, stop blaming the devil for stuff he's not even done. He's even before the throne of God saying, why are they blaming me? Look at them. You did this all by yourself. You did this before you even knew there was a devil. It's you. Your biggest struggle is you. Your biggest enemy is you. The person that's keeping you from growing is you. The reason you didn't have a quiet time this morning, it was you. It was not your children. It was not your wife. It was not the circumstances. It wasn't your noisy neighbor. It was you. And until you decide to deal with you, you're not going to grow. My biggest obstacle is Sam Powell. Man, if I could just deal with that guy, I'd be walking on water. But let me, let me I got to go ahead and hit the rest of it. He goes on, he says, also, and this is the God's Word translation. We read it earlier. Also, rid, get rid of your anger. Can I get an Amen. Because I know we all happy in Jesus. No anger problems in here. Uh-huh. Hot tempers. You know, I love that the Bible is just practical, don't you? Hot tempers. Hatred. We got any hatred in our world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cursing. I mean, it's just using language that we all grew up with. Obscene language and all similar sin. You might say, well, I don't see mine in here. Similar. <laughs> Anything similar. And then he says, don't lie to each other. You know, you can't help people who lie. You can't. If you and I are, are trying to help one another and you don't tell me the truth, I can't help you. I mean, something that we've tried to help people who, as we were trying to help them, they were lying. The 
the whole time. And one time we were helping this couple and the, the girl told such a big lie on the guy that he finally said, no more. That's it. I'm telling the whole truth. And this is what you did. And, this is what, and we're like, man, what are y'all doing? But the whole time they was lying. Are you living a double life? Come on, secret agent Christian. Double O seven. Who knows who you are? I mean, you're a double agent. You're working for the Lord and you're working for the devil at the same time, right? Who knows you? Lying. We can't help you if you're a liar. And the thing about it, God knows. Does God know? So who are you fooling? Yourself? The only person you're fooling is you. And we can even tell. Sometimes we can even tell just by your, your demeanor. Something's up. Something's up. You're not doing good. And that fake smile and that superficial hug, we can tell. So stop the lying and get honest, get real. And when I tell the truth about me, I don't always like what I see, but there's deliverance. There's a way out. I can't get out if I lie. I can get out if I tell the truth. Because what does Jesus tell you? The truth will do what? It'll set you free. And you know what lies will do? They'll lock you up. And they'll cripple your spiritual life. How many of us are telling the truth today? About where we are spiritually. The truth about our marriage. The truth about our personal struggles. The truth about our lust. The truth, truth about our sexual temptations. How many of us are telling the truth? So we can get the help that we need. Don't let Satan lie to you and tell you it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. Do what he says here. He says, you've gotten rid of the person you used to be and the life you used to live. And you've become what, church? A new person. You're a new person. Jesus used to change people's names. He changed Peter's names. He changed the the, the sons of thunder, became the the apostles of love. Wait, you, you got a new name. You're a new person. Act like a new person and stay new. And the good, it's good things, we can do that by the grace of God. Now, let me give you this last part before we close out here. He goes on, he says, And therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, it's Colossians 3, verse 12, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, it's not enough just to say no to sin. It's not enough just to get rid of the old. It's not enough just to empty the cup You have to fill it with good things. Because if you don't fill it with good things, trust me, the devil will come and fill it for you. And he says you have to replace the bad with the good. 
You have to take out the old and put in the new. You have to turn ingratitude into gratitude. You just can't say, well, I've dealt with my ingratitude. No, you've got to become grateful. You've got to turn criticalness into encouragement. You become a new person. Instead of being cynical and critical, now you go around looking for ways to build up, to tell people the good things that will inspire them. You've got to turn it. You turn laziness into zeal. You can't say, I'm no longer lazy. Then what are you? You've got to turn laziness into action. You've got to turn selfishness into giving. It's not like, well, I just ended being selfish. Well, the, the, the sign is, are you a giver? Do you give? You've got to turn hatred into love. You've got to turn disorganization into discipline. And you've got to turn an idle mind into a focused mind. You know, when I decided that I want to go into the ministry as a young man, I said, I've got to get my mind focused and so I started memorizing the Bible, and, and I memorized 1 Timothy, and I memorized 2 Timothy, because those were two of the books that talked about what it meant to be a minister. But I had to focus my mind every day, memorizing the word, focus, focus, focus. And here I'm now, you know, after all these years, I'm still memorizing Scripture, not quite as well as I used to. Now, right now I'm struggling to remember, memorize Psalm 19. But I'm working on it every day that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord, you know, I mean, they, they are they're just so awesome. Just memorizing the word, putting it in my heart, trying to focus this old mind that's still tempted. Walking in and talking with Jesus, set my mind on him. You know, the, 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 the Bible goes on and tells us in Matthew 12, and this is just a reminder that when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. Swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other demons, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. In other words, he's saying it's not enough just to get your sins eradicated. You got to put in the fruit of the Spirit. You can't just leave the vessel empty. You have to keep growing as a Christian. Because when you stop growing, that's when you start dying. And that's when the devil starts setting you up to fail. You know, I think about all my good friends that I've known over all the years, some who were in the ministry, some who were not, some were in leadership, some who were not, and what? why did they walk away from the faith? Why did they walk away from the Lord? And I get it. They stopped growing. They stopped putting in the good things. They stopped growing in forgiveness. They stopped growing in gratitude. They stopped growing in thankfulness. And you've got to keep growing. Because as a disciple today, you should be more thankful 
than you've ever been. Because you realize more than ever before that you don't deserve this salvation. That you don't deserve to be a part of God's church. That you don't deserve to be a Christian. And so I'm more thankful. You should be more joyful than you were even the day you got baptized. Because you realize how you escaped hell. You deserve to go there. And somehow God in his mercy set you free. And the more I'm a Christian, the more thankful, the more joyful I am. Not the less, the more. I don't deserve the wife I have. I don't deserve the children I have. I don't deserve the life I have. I don't deserve the blessings I have. Oh, I'm so thankful. And the gratitude just increases. What about you? Some of us where nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Oh, man, my life. Where were you before? Have you lost your mind? You don't deserve this. You got to keep growing. Because if you don't, seven other spirits, more wicked than the ones you had before, they're going to come in and destroy your life. And we've got to be aware of that. And then finally, as we come to a close here, he says, clothe yourself with compassion. I'm sorry I spelled, misspelled kindness. Kindness. Need to get a spell check on that. But you know what I mean. Thank God for his grace and mercy. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness. Humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. And I look at this list and I go, Sam, which, which are the ones you need to focus on? Humility. That's mine. Clothe myself with humility. And when I'm driving and my wife says, you're going the wrong way. My sinful nature says, shut up, woman, I'm in charge. I'm the leader. I'm I'm the captain of this ship. And if I want to go the wrong way, I'm going to go the wrong way. You just sit over there. But then humility goes in, kicks in, and says, thank you, honey. I appreciate it. That's not me. That's the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? My sinful nation, when the usher comes up and says, can you move forward? I'm going, leave me alone. Who are you? This is my seat. I give my contribution. Who are you to tell me where to sit? Lee, I'm not bothering you. Why are you bothering me? All right? Won't you go and sit down? I mean, it's like, but then humility comes in and goes, sure, where do you want me to go? You know what I'm saying? You know, when people say, I need to talk to you, bro, I need to work something out with you. But sinful nature goes, then work it out, but you need to leave me out of it. Whatever it is, I know I didn't do nothing wrong, so what you want to talk to me for? Huh? Doggone, man, when this going to end? You need to talk to me? I don't need to talk to you. Work it out with the Lord. But humility says, okay, what do we need to talk about? All right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Sometimes I don't even understand what they're upset about. What I do understand, we're not going to get past it unless I'm humble. Understand what I'm saying? That's my thing. Humility. You know, 
couple of years, the last few years in New York church was not doing that good. And I asked brothers to come in, help us. They met with everyone on staff. You know, Doug Arthur came down. Kevin Miller came down. They met with all of our staff. They met with me. They met with the elders. And they gave us a valuation of here are things that you could do better. And the list started with me. And I said, why do we bring these fools here? This is wrong. This is not right. That's what the sinful nature said. What humility said, <laughs> thank you. We needed this. <laughs> yes. I've only been in the ministry 30-something years. That's okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. And the church is doing better than ever, brothers and sisters. Every region is growing. Every region, the contribution is great. And you're a part of that. I mean, that's God. That's God. What, what are, are you clothing yourself when you get up in the morning? Put on the humility. Dress yourself up. Put on the new stuff. And when you put on the new stuff, don't put the old stuff back on. You don't put on a new suit with old shoes. Clothe yourself. And he goes on and he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, let the word, let's be in the word every day. That's how God speaks to us. That's how we remain new. That's how we keep a new attitude. That's how we keep a new mindset. Let the word of Christ Dwell in you, richly, everywhere you go, every conversation, every confrontation. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You were given a new life. Keep it new. Keep it fresh. Continue to put off the old and to put on the new. And may God give you the strength to do it. God bless you.